what I want to do this evening is to talk about the power of the testimony, the personal testimony in evangelism. Uh, we are still talking about um, evangelism, the New Testament methodology, looking at the models that are given in Scripture. We've looked at the model of the Master himself. Tonight we want to be talking about how to give a biblical testimony. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 22. Um, this is also on the, on the notes, actually. You can follow the notes as well if you don't have a Bible. Now, later on, I'm going to ask you, those of you who would like to, and we mentioned this this morning, if you'd like to give a three-minute testimony, and that's all, no longer. We're going to give you an opportunity for that after we've gone through our lesson for the evening. How to give a biblical testimony. Um, we want to get, we looked at the model of Jesus for evangelism. We looked at the model of the early church for evangelism. Now we want to look at the model of the apostle when it comes to, be, when it comes to giving a testimony. Please take your Bibles or just look at your notes there. Acts chapter 22, verses 1 through 21. This, uh, of course, has to do, this testimony has to do with Paul when he was uh, imprisoned, or at least he was uh, apprehended and uh, caused almost an uproar and everything. And he's giving his testimony. He's been given an opportunity to share. And this is what he says. Brethren and fathers, hear my defense, which I now offer to you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew dialect, they became even more quiet. Now, this is Paul's introduction. This is Paul's introduction to his testimony. I want you to notice what he's done. He's using the Hebrew language because he knew that the majority of the people there were Hebrew. Speak the Hebrew language anyway, Jews. And so he used something that would get the attention of the hearers. Something that could, they could identify with immediately. All right? So this is an important thing here that Paul did. What he did was actually to um, give a greeting that would encourage the people to pay attention to him. And so that's the first principle we could learn here. What you need to do is to give a warm greeting in order to gain the attention of the people to whom you're speaking. You don't want to give a testimony starting out in a negative fashion by being very condemning or judgmental. You need to give a warm greeting. Now, of course, this will differ uh, according to the circumstance you're in. If you're standing up before a congregation, of course, perhaps you will do it in a different way and if you're in somebody's home or you're sitting down with them at a table in a restaurant or something. But the principle is the same. Make sure that you introduce your testimony in a way that will cause the people to be willing to listen to you. All right? First principle, then here, you are gone. Um, what was the first one? 
warm greeting to gain the attention of the people. Now listen, let's go on. He says, I, um, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated under Gamaliel, strictly according to the law of our fathers, being zealous for God just as you are today. And I persecuted this way to the death, binding and putting both men and women into prison. And also the high priests and all the council of the elders can testify. From them I also received letters to the brethren and started off for Damascus in order to bring even those who were there to Jerusalem as prisoners to be punished. And I came, and it came about that as I was on my way, approaching Damascus about noontime, a very bright light suddenly flashed from heaven around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus the Nazarene, whom you are persecuting. And those who are with me, he held a light to be sure, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And, he, and the Lord said to me, Arise and go on into Damascus, and there you will be, and you will be told of all that has been appointed for you to do. But since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who was with me and we came unto this Damascus. So what is Paul doing here? Paul was telling of his life before he became a Christian. His life before coming to Christ. That's what he was doing. And this gives us our second principle then, what we need to do when we're sharing a testimony. And that's very simple. And that is what? Tell Tell what your life was like prior to coming to Christ. It's exactly what Paul did. Now, of course, as we're going to see in a while, it doesn't mean going into all of the details the first time you give your testimony. But the principle here is that you tell what your life was like prior to coming to Christ. The kind of life you live whether it's a religious life or whether it's a sinful life, but you don't go into all the details. You want to give some idea of what your life was before you came to Jesus Christ. And this is exactly what Paul did here. But then he goes on. I don't know if we have the other slide. Then he, he goes on and he says, and it came about, I read this already, when it came about that I was on my way uh, approaching Damascus and so on. This is when he experienced the, uh, the encounter with Jesus Christ. Remember, he was knocked off his horse and so on. He asked the question there, what shall I do, Lord? Now, what was he doing here? He was telling how he came to Christ. See, that is what he was doing. He was telling how he came to Christ. So before... Uh, so. First, he told the folk what he was like before he became a Christian. Now he tells them how he became a Christian. And this is what we encourage you to do when you're giving your testimony as well. You tell the person how you came to know Jesus Christ as Savior. But let's go on with Paul's testimony again. Next verse. That's the third one is, of course, explain what made the difference and how you came to know Christ. 
explain what made the difference, how you came to know Christ. Let's go on to the next verse now with Paul giving his testimony. He says, And a certain Ananias, a man who was devout by the standard of the law and well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing near to me said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very time I looked up at him and he said, The God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear an utterance from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to all men of which you have seen and heard. Now, what do you, now why do you delay? Arise, be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Verse 17. And it came about when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I fell into a trance, and I saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves understand that in one synagogue after another, I used to imprison and beat those who believed in thee. When the blood of thy written Stephen was being shed, I also was standing by, proving and watching out for the cloaks of those who were uh, slaying him. Verse 21. And he said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Now what was Paul doing here? What was Paul doing here? Paul was telling about his life following his coming to know Jesus Christ as a Savior. Paul was telling of his life following his coming to know Christ as Savior. And so then we have a next principle concerning how we should be giving our testimony. And that is to share what has happened since you came to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That's the model that Paul gives in his testimony. And he does that every time he gives his testimony. Here... He shows what has happened as a result of his coming to know Christ as Savior. And so let's review again. Let me give you another couple of, uh, of uh, suggestions here, and then we'll put this off into a practical way. Uh, what you need to do is after you have given your warm greeting, after you've tell, told what you were before you became a Christian, after you've told how you became a Christian, after you've told what has happened as a result of you're coming a Christian. You know what you do? You stop. End of story. Don't preach. Leave that to the preacher. You are there to give or are you sharing your testimony. You are a personal witness to the power of Christ in your life. You are not there to preach. You are there to testify of God's work in your life. Leave the details for another time. If you tell your story properly, you probably have people coming up to ask you for these details. And that will provide another opportunity for you to share the gospel. So this is what you do then. You tell what you were. You tell what you are. And you tell... How you got that way, you shut up and you sit down. That's how you can use testimony in order to get an opening to share the gospel. The outline in the scriptures, I think, is very clear. Sometimes we abuse the opportunity when we have to share the gospel and we start to preach ourselves. 
Now let me give you, now over in the back of the outline, I have the outline there laid out for you in the same way, and I encourage you to write out your testimony sometime in a short enough fashion where you will be able to recite it after a while. Um, no matter what the circumstances may be, no matter where you are. Because remember, we're trying to equip you to share the gospel anywhere, anytime, with anyone, with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, if I were to use that outline, I would do something like this. Hi, thanks for allowing me the opportunity to share how God has radically changed my life. Looking back now, I would have said that such an experience would have been impossible knowing my background. I was only 17 and a half years old, but in spite of the fact that I was an older boy at my church, I was involved in drinking, weekends were my drunk days, gambling. I used to steal from my dad's laundry to shoot pool, shoot dice, play cards, and go to the racetrack. Pornography. I had all the comic books, the magazines, and used to spy on the sailors and prostitutes when they were about their thing, playing the girls. I had three girlfriends at one time without them knowing about it, although they were friends. And believe it or not, I still thought that because I was baptized, confirmed, and served as an older boy, that I was okay and I was going to heaven. But then an amazing, miraculous thing happened. God used my ego to win the girls, myself, to cause me to go to Long Island to look for the pretty girls. Because the word was going around at that time that that's where all the pretty girls were. And that they were looking for some boys too. So man, I thought I just couldn't lose on this trip. And God caused me to go in spite of the fact that the friend who was supposed to go with me had to cancel out the night before. I had another friend, Rex Major, who was on the island. And the last time I saw him, he was a womanizer too. But lo and behold, when I got there, I found out that he had become a Christian. And that he was actually preaching the gospel. If I could have, I would have turned around and come back home. But I didn't. And through the powerful life testimony of Rex's mother, whom I call Miss Gracie and Rex himself, I not only heard the gospel preached in clear, understandable way for the first time, but I also saw it being lived out in, my, in the major family before my eyes. The verse that God used uh, by Brother Charles Turnquest to bring me to faith in Christ was 1 John 2.15. Do not love the world nor the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not him, in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, and the, prideful, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also it's lust. But the one who does the will of God lives forevermore. God used that verse, or those verses, to speak to my heart, and I gave my life to Christ. Since then, although I've had some temporary setbacks in the early time of my life, I have with his help sought to honor him in all that I do and now live for the sole purpose of glorifying the triune God in my life. My only regret is that I did not make the decision to receive Jesus Christ earlier than I did. Thank you very much. That's a brief testimony. It includes what I was, how I was saved, and what happens now in my life. You can devise a testimony so that you always have it available and you can change the wording around any way you like, but you keep those three important points uh, in giving your testimony. And you could find that this could be a powerful way for you to have an entrance into sharing the gospel. 
right? Let me stop there for a moment because I want this to be practical. Any questions or comments from any of you at all? Amen. Any questions? A testimony is one of the most powerful things that we have for evangelizing. A testimony with a life behind, and that's the important thing. Don't go about talking about Christ if you're not living a godly life. Because you will just cause shame to come to his name and make people laugh at him. So the testimony is one of the most powerful tools that we have in sharing our faith. Especially if you're living the life. Kevin. Oh, yeah. Remember now, this is just sort of an entrance so you can use it to share your faith. This could, uh, then people will probably come up to ask you, man, what do you mean the girls are there? What was Rex doing? And then you could go in all kinds. I left out some, some, for me, some very powerful things. For instance, I could go and share that when I heard the gospel that night, I laughed and was ready to go out the door. This little small church in, in Devonski, Long Island. And I got to the door. It was a beautiful night with me. The moon was shining and everything. But you know, as I went to walk out that door, it was just as though I heard a voice as clear as day. It says, Alan Lee, if you walk out of this place tonight, you'll be knocked down by a car. Now, this was in 1956 in Key, Long Island. I think they had two cars on the whole <laughs> island. They had no lights. You could see a car coming for miles. The only way you could get knocked down there is if you throw yourself in the front of that car. But it happened three times. I wanted to walk out, and that same voice came to me. If you walk out of this door tonight, you'll get knocked down by a car, and where will you spend eternity? And my head was thumping like that. And then this old man came up to me, and he says, Young man, do you want to receive Christ? I say, Not me. Not me. He says, okay. And he left me, and I turned around. The whole church there, well, had about 20 people maybe, was on their knees praying. And I knew they were praying for me, and I laughed. I said, boy, then people only know who they're praying for. So I started to go again, and then Brother Turnquest came up to me. He says, young man, just let me read you one verse of Scripture. Would that be all right? I said, okay, go ahead. He opened the Bible, and he read, 1 John 2.16. If anyone loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, wait, you know, the thing is, do you know what was keeping me from receiving Christ? Those girlfriends back home, the drinking, the smoking, the gambling. Those are the things that were, keep, that were keeping me from receiving Christ. And he opened the scripture. And he says, for all that is in the world, he goes on and he names out everything that I was involved in. And the Spirit of God just used that sword to pierce my heart. And I remember I, I, I went to the, the pew, sat down, and Brother Charles Turnquest led me to faith in Jesus Christ. But you know, after I left him there, I was carrying Rex home. He was sitting on the crossbar and I was riding the bike. And my head was pumping like crazy. And I was thinking in my life, what in the world did I do? I committed a sin by receiving Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I thought that. And I went and I, that night I went home and I got into my bed and I said, Lord Jesus, please forgive me for receiving you as my Savior. I said, why? Because I was taught that the worship in another church was a sin. 
me to worship in another church was a sin, and I thought I had sinned by receiving Christ. The next morning, Wrexham's brother, Falcon, some of you might know him, had a rough life, but they came and we looked at the word, and I just, I just remember how all of a sudden I understood. And the first prayer I said was, Lord, thank you for showing me the light. And I went into my suitcase, and the suitcase was filled up with pornography, dice and cards. I had a shirt with all kinds of pornographic stuff on it, and I took all of them up, took them in the back of the yard, poured kerosene on it, and put a match to it and burned it up. That meant a lot to me at that time. But see, I left all of those out because that was not the time to share it. You see, that was not the time. That's not the time to do it. You do not need to put in all of the tales when you're first giving your testimony. You're looking for an entrance into that person's life where he will be asking questions even to say, tell me a little bit more, share a little bit more. But what you've told him is that, hey, I had a terrible life before. I met Jesus Christ, and now my life has entirely changed. And they want to say, boy, how come? Maybe it can happen to me as well. And uh, that's how you are to use a testimony as a way of evangelizing and sharing the gospel. All right, before I go on here, any other questions or comments? Well, yes, we all have before and after. We just have to share it differently. You see, one of the th sometimes what we get uh, bogged down here is some people think that the only way I could share a testimony is that I had a real bad, terrible life. And that's not so, but you could look back and say, you know, I thought I was okay. I was doing this all, but that wasn't enough because I, ca I came to learn that it wasn't by my good works or being in a good Christian family that saved me. I had to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. See, all of our testimony have something to say to somebody else who had an experience just like ours. You see? Had an experience just like ours. And God uses that when we give it as a true a way of honoring him and glorifying him and just showing his power in our own life. See, well, one of the dangers of uh, giving a testimony when you've had a real terrible life is, um, in fact, I forgot to put that point in, is don't glory in the gory. You know, sometimes you can get up there and you can spend all the time telling you what I was doing and all this bad stuff. And you actually get to a point where you're sharing that more than you're sharing Christ. You see, you don't want to go into all those gory details and those awful details. You don't want to do that, you see. But you do want to tell them just enough to ask you some questions, you see, to give you an opportunity to share further on. But I've seen that happen so much that people just get, they enjoy telling about their old life. See, whenever I see that, I know that they're really not growing in Christ today. Because the person who's really giving a testimony is not going to dwell on the past. He's going to be dwelling on what God is doing in his life today. Because he's enjoying the presence and the power of God in his life right now. See, and by the way, when you have an opportunity to share in detail, that's what you focus on. Because now we're getting the idea that the reason why you're a Christian is because you said a prayer or you, you wrote this thing. But now you can see how God has changed your life, how he's transformed your life. All right, any other questions, comments? Remember now, what we're trying to get you to see here is that evangelizing, evangelization, is not just gimmicks and little things that you do. 
Or is your living out the life of Christ in your life? And be ready to share Christ. The scripture says to give an answer for the hope that is in you. To give uh, a reason for the joy that is in you. To give a reason for the change in your life. That's what it's all about. You see, And we are evangelizing all the time. The only question is whether you're doing it keeping with the will of God or not. You're always witnessing. The only question is, are you a good witness or are you a bad witness? That's the way it is. All right? All right. Does anybody, anybody here would like to come up right now and share uh, a testimony with us? I'm going to ask you to come up here in case you want to read something or whatever. And the mic is there. Three minutes, no more. All right. Hello. Thanks for the opportunity to share my testimony with you. Before I received the gift of eternal life, my life was typical of many children who grew up in a Christian home. I attended church weekly with my family, whether I felt like it or not. My parents ensured that I received a proper knowledge of the scriptures, which are able to make a person wise unto salvation. I soon discovered that eternal life is a gift, and I could do nothing to earn it. For the Bible teaches that salvation is by grace through faith, and not because of what I do. It is the gift of God. I also learned that I had a major problem. I was a sinner and could not save myself from sin. This is exactly what God's word says. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. However, I was also taught that God provided a solution to my problem in the person of Jesus Christ, his son, who paid the penalty for my sins on the cross. All this knowledge came to a climax when I was about eight years old. I say about eight years old because I do not recall my exact age, not even the date of my conversion. But this I am certain of, that I am saved by grace. What I do recall, however, is that one Sunday evening at Blue Hill Gospel Chapel, I heard the gospel preached by the late Pastor Errol Jackson. It was then that I admitted I was a sinner, repented of my sins, and received Jesus Christ as my personal Savior and Lord. Now that I have received the gift of eternal life, I want to share the gospel of Christ with everyone through my speech and conduct. As a responsible member of God's family, I also seek to grow spiritually through worship, fellowship, and instruction in his word. If there is anyone here who has not received the gift of eternal life already, I encourage you to do so now. Later may be too late. Thank you. Now, can we take that? Do you mind? You can take mine too, by the way. Any comments concerning his or mine? Uh, keeping in mind the directions or the... Huh? Yeah, all right. <laughs> all right. Boy, there's a bad woman right here. All right, anyone, anything? You think it's a little long? I, I, not this, I think the length was good. But that's all right. Yes. Please. So you are, you're asking, how do you know you're saved? Boy, these people, these children are going to ask some tough questions, eh? Right. 
That, that's very good. And let me tell you, I believe that every Christian goes through that experience one time or the other. You see? Every Christian goes through that. That's a sign that we're growing and that we're becoming more and more aware of sin in our lives. So really, you should look at that as a sign of spiritual growth rather than as a sign of not having it. Because only those who are growing really have a concern as to whether or not they're displeasing God or not. So that's really an indication to me anyway that, hey, I am growing and becoming more, to, more sensitive to sin in my life. But again, how do you know you, 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 you're a Christian? Of course, the Word of God is the first one. Take what the Word of God says. Um, uh, 1 John 2.15, this is the record that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. And then, of course, we, have, and we, we don't go by what other people say. If somebody is leading you to Christ, don't say, you know, that person says, okay, now you're a Christian. Don't take his word for it, all right? Because no one really knows when you come to that. That's why I really, really tell anybody when I'm talking to them that you are a Christian. I will let them say that now. What does this word say? Well, it says, if I have Christ, uh, I have eternal life. You see, now who said that? God says that in his word. Okay, do you have Christ? Yes, I received him and all. Okay, then what do you have? I have eternal life. How do you know that? The Bible tells me that. And I won't move from there. If they tell me, because I feel that way. I say, no, 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 you don't feel that way at all. You don't feel that way. And I go back to the scripture. You say, well, well, because I just, I just believe that. I said, that's not good enough. They've got to come to the point that says, I believe it because God says it. You see, that's the important thing. And then, of course, there's the inner, there's the inner witness that God tells us about that, that satisfying of the Holy Spirit, as it were that you are indeed a child of God. And of course, the third one is uh, when you're a fruit inspector, you look at your life. Are you bearing fruit, spiritual fruit in your life? Now, sometimes you have some bad fruit, you know, and uh, that we have to discard and so on. But you look at your life and see whether or not you have fruit bearing in your life as well. So those are some of the indications that you are, in fact, a child of God. All right, any other questions? Well, getting back here to Anton, I believe Anton did a little bit too much preaching. You see, I would never personally, I could say this to him because I love him and all that kind of stuff. When I first talked to anybody, I would never use a lot of scripture. Only what it was perhaps that led me to put faith in Christ. You see, what the people, remember the people that you're talking, want to talk to the unsaved. You see what I'm saying? And, and they want to see what happened to you. They've heard verses probably and everything else, a lot of it before. You just did to come up and say, hey, this is what I was, this is what I am now, and this is what made the difference. Leave all the other stuff, leave all the other preaching and everything else to later or for the preacher or everything else. You see? Now, Anton did something again, and I'm sure that's because his brethren background, because I used to do it long for many, many years. I stand up the same way here. Now, you know, the Bible says all of sin. If, nobody, if anybody here received Christ, I encourage you to do it. Now, that sounds good, and that's everything, but that's preaching. See, that's going out of the realm of testifying what God has done. And what I'm trying to say is we're trying to make a testimony a testimony. A testimony is what you have experienced and what has happened in your life. You're not preaching. You're just trying to show these people, hey, God did something wonderful in my life. 
That opens up an opportunity for you to sit down with them later and go into all the other tales and then to make that appeal for them to place faith in Christ. So I'm saying you don't preach. Leave the details for another time. Leave the gory tales out. Tell what you were, what you are, and how you got that way. That's what I'm saying, how the testimony could be an effective and a powerful tool. Anyone else would like to share? Here's what I want you to do using those notes. I want you this week to try to fill that out. And if six of you would get in contact with me or Kathy during the week, I will let you share your testimony next Lord's Day. Here. Six. Can I be no more than three minutes, though, because I can be there. I can have one clock. Right? Here's an opportunity for you, though. You do, Pastor, don't do it enough. I want to do it in this controlled fashion first. All right? So use that as a guide. All right? Uh, call me up and let me, I was going to say, send me a copy of what you're going to say, but I'm going to go that far. I'm going to go that far. I don't want to go that far. And you will have an opportunity to share. And I'd like to have both men and some young people as well. Some young people as well. At least two young people, a fellow and a gal, who would be willing to share on Sunday morning, Lord's Day morning. All right? Anyone would like to share tonight? Kevin? I would. <laughs> But I use that as a way, I use that to show that that's the verse that led me to Christ. See, what I say is use the verse that led you to Christ. But you don't use it as a sermon. You see the point? That's the difference. Uh, you say, this is the, word, the verse that God used to speak to me. You see? And he used as a, as a result of my coming to Christ. That's the important thing. It's not the amount of verses, or what, but it's why are you using it? Because most of the time, it was not a bunch of verses that was done. Most of the time, it's one that God uses. Even though you might have the plan of salvation, most of the time, it's just one verse or one passage here that God uses. Kevin? No. Come up here. You want everybody here from up here. Come on. Obey your elders. Good evening. My name is Kevin Barton, and it's a joy to share my testimony with you tonight. Um, one day, I was... Um, standing around, playing with my friends. And then what happened was there was a group of people who came to in my community, and they were sharing the gospel. So I was playing with my friends, and um, I heard the preaching, and for some strange reason, I was drawn near. Um, the next thing I know, I was up in the, up in the program, you know what I mean? And I was really challenged by what they were saying. Um, but before then, I was a real bad boy. I used to smoke cigarettes, um, gamble, <laughs> and do a lot of things that wasn't really right. But I find myself this one day to this meeting. And I heard the gospel for the first time. And I was challenged as a result of hearing the gospel. And then I accepted Christ. I didn't know why I did it, but I, I did it. That was just a seed that was planted, I think, in my life. And then I went to church the following week, and I heard an evangelistic meeting, I mean, an evangelistic message, and I thought that the preacher was speaking only to me one, you know what I mean? And something told me to get up and go, but something told me don't go. 
So I went up anyway, and I think that's when I received Christ. I know that's when I received Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I'm thankful that God saw fit to save me and to place me in this kingdom. And it's a joy to serve him. And I know that he's, continue, he's going to continue to do a wonderful work in my life. Thank you. You can clap. That's all right. Thanks, Kev. All right. Anyone else? Oh, well, there's a brown brethren coming up. Jesus, Jesus. No, I'm not going to preach. But like Anton, I was brought up in a Christian home. But everybody used to call me preacher's kid because even all the preachers thought that I was a Christian. Um, and my mother and father also thought that I was a Christian. They all, I was such a good boy, so everybody thought, but it, really I was, had a lot of secrets. I was very good at fooling people into thinking you know, that I was a good person. And on the surface, I basically was you know, pretty good. I went to church three times a week. I did all the things that you know, Christians normally would do. But I knew I wasn't a Christian. In fact, I was a member of a Youth for Christ quiz team and a captain of, of one of the teams. But I knew I wasn't a Christian. Then God just, you know, he almost like sometimes he has to knock you with a two before to get your attention. Pastor Lee said he thought he was going to get run over. I actually got run over by a truck, a car. There was only three cars on the island. I was going down the hill doing about 30 miles an hour on a bicycle and had a can of fish guts in my hand. And when I looked, there was a, there was a car there. I don't know where it came from. But I got bruised off a little bit. Two months later, I had a can of hot boiling water explode off in my face when I was 15 on Christmas Day. A week later, I had to go take passport pictures to go to Miami as a, to quiz on a Youth for Christ quiz team. The place I went to go to state, I couldn't, there was no room. And I wound up staying at Ms. Rose Higgs, and Nancy was there when I went there. And Roger Sweeting was, at, was there. And he when, he, when he asked me who I was and, and what I was doing there, I said, well, I'm coming to take passport pictures to go on a Youth for Christ quiz team in Miami. He says, well, you're a Christian, eh? I said, no. He says, well, then, don't you think you ought to be? And it was then that I gave my life to the Lord. But now, having said that, at that time, I, I didn't notice the series of events that had happened. But very shortly afterwards, I look back at those, and I see that was three specific instances that God was just trying to get my attention. And I thank God that, you know, he, he used those events, and I, I really did come to know him. And since then, I can honestly say, I, I can look back and see where God has been leading my life uh, in different ways. I don't know why I ever came to Nassau, I'll be honest with you. I, I hated Nassau. And I look at the different situations in my life and my job and places, my actually coming here to Calvary Bible Church. You know, it's a mystery how things happen. But again, God uh, used different things to get my attention and help me change my way of thinking in certain issues. And I can honestly say that um, God has been a blessing to me over the years, and I've had the opportunity to serve him and been involved in young people for nearly 30 years now and still have the desire, sometimes not the energy. But um, I praise God for all he's done in my life, and I look forward to keep on serving him.
Good. All right. Anyone else? Anyone else? I want you to learn how to give a testimony. Remembering those three aspects. What is the first one? What is the first one? All right. A greeting. And then next? Tell what you were. And then the next? You are. Then you tell how you came that way. Of course, you could switch to the second and third one if you like, but those are the, that's the, uh, what you need to do. All right, anyone else? Detail every day. These don't hear it here every day. You don't want to share it, Frank? All right. All right. All right, now don't forget, six of you. If we get more than six, we'll do it another time, but the first six will be this Lord's Day, okay? And I really wonder now, because we want to, uh, we're going to, end of the series and trying to look for some practical ways for us to, uh, uh, to be involved in evangelism as a, as a body. It's not purpose right now that we're dealing with because we're looking at the individual, but we're going to bring it in a corporate way as well. So, uh, and testimonies are an important aspect of that. So please be working on it. Even if you don't uh, come up to say it here, write it out anyway. Go over it until you have it in your own mind so it's available at all times so you can use it. No matter what the situation, who the person is or where you may be, you're going to be able to share your, your testimony because you already have it in your mind. Please, again, I want to emphasize the two things that you remember. want to remember is um, that you place faith in Christ, how you became a Christian, and secondly, really, what is happening, what is, what, how God has changed your life. That's the important thing. Well, if, if, that is, if that is what led them to Christ, yes. But then, yes, I had this problem with alcohol or whatever it is, but then I heard the gospel, whatever, and, and God gave me. Now, uh, it's important to be sure that that person has victory over the alcoholism in giving his testimony. Because if he gives a testimony, as he says, I'm still an alcoholic, what happens? You're, trying, you're saying that, God didn't give me a Christ didn't help me to overcome this. So we always want to be showing how God has changed our lives, you see. But if you were dealing with, like, look, for instance, I could, now let me say this now. It depends on who you're sharing with as to what you emphasize in your testimony. You know, we might give a generic one, you know, that is applicable to everybody. But suppose I was talking to some young people and uh, they had a problem with pon pornography. I would spend a little bit more time in that area, tell them how I got into what I used to do and all of that, because it probably will uh, resonate with what they're doing themselves or what they were facing, you see. Or if I was dealing with somebody who had problems with alcoholism or gambling, I would, I would uh, spend more time in that area. But if you're giving a general one and with a general audience, and then I think you cannot really focus on anything other than the fact that it was Christ who transformed you. And this is how I know it because my life isn't the same today. Right. Right. And that's a good point because, you know, in my own life, it is, however, in my own life, I did have just about instantaneous victory over smoking and drinking and gambling, but not pornography. Pornography was an addiction. I had that for about at least four or five years into my Christian life. So you're right. God doesn't all the time deliver you immediately from addictions or these problems. Uh, and, and that goes on. You see. Now, you know, I says that if you, have, you don't have victory when you're sharing a testimony, uh, you could still do that in a, in a way, though, where you are 
assuring that you're still depending upon the Lord, you're still trusting him. It's a struggle, but I believe that God is going to give me victory in that aspect. No, I can't. She's asking, can I explain why some would have instantaneous delivery from certain addictions and others? No, I don't. God does. God is a wise God. He does. He could, he, he could free us right away from all of that. Oh, he definitely allows it. He definitely allows it. And I think he allows it for a good reason, for a good reason in our lives. If only for us to struggle through it so when we're working with other people, we could share with them the struggle that we've had. You see, because everything we go through as a school is a lesson that God is teaching us so we could help other people. You see. And uh, so no, God has a good purpose in that for sure. No doubt about that. Brother Jim. Yeah. Not all the time, though. That's why I said the little Joy's question. So I know sometime, I used to be a leader of a young, of a young people's group. And uh, I know sometimes I used to go home and I used to cry. I'd say, why, 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 why? I would, go, I would be free for a month, two months, three months, nothing. Then all of a sudden, just like that. Bang, back to it, just like that. I mean, and not just a little thing. You know what I'm saying? Boom. You see? You say, boy, what in the world is wrong? And that's actually how I actually came to appreciate the grace of God. You see? Because it, it wasn't for the grace of God. He'd have stamped on me and do everything else and threw me out of the way. But he didn't. He didn't do that. You see? Um, but, but you're right. That's, that's what happens. It comes up and it, it, it's, it's, and it's, Jim, it's an addiction. I'm, tell, I'm telling you. That's why, you know, with young people today, you've got to be sure we do everything to protect our young people from pornography. You see? Because it gets a grip on your soul, and it's sometimes very, very difficult. It, it, it's, it, it's like drugs at times, you know. Watch out, because you could be exposed to it, and boom, you're in trouble again. You see, it's only God who really can keep you through all of that. All right, okay. Please, uh, these six of you, give us a call, and uh, we'll have you share next Lord's Day. Let's stand for closing at this time. Thank you for your time, and I pray, I pray, pray that. Um, uh, this little practical demonstration here of giving a testimony might help you in your own life. I thank those who have been willing to share at this time. Ron, would you close for us in a word of prayer?